Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. latest episode of the championship roundtable i'm your host jake jackman and you can reach us at the show by emailing us championship roundtable at gmail.com hi i'm benjamin bloom for the blue monday podcast um at blue monday icfc on twitter a supporter of ipswich town and i'm james vickers i'm a preston north end fan i write for what used to be tom clark at the back post.wordpress.com but we've recently rebranded it now uh, so you can find us now at Deepdale Digest on Twitter, and alternatively, our website is deepdaledigest.wordpress.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. We'll start making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start with you, Ben. It's been a let's not say the best week for Ipswich Town, uh, going out of the FA Cup and then losing yesterday uh, to Huddersfield. So, what were your thoughts on on the week at Ipswich? Oh God, it's been absolute. <laughs> Chaos. So, um, all started on Monday. They actually signed someone, signed Jordan Spence, who's um, last played for MK Don. So, he came in. So, the week started vaguely positively. Obviously, the BBC had decided that um, we were definitely going to lose to Lincoln in the FA Cup, and that was going to be their entire narrative for that night. So, um, with the whole country watching and no other games. Ipswich managed to embarrass themselves to... Um, I mean, let's just say Lincoln are very good. They're a good side. They're top of the National League. But it's still like, I don't know, what the 58 positions between the two. McCarthy makes five changes. And at least the kind of nation gets to see now, you know, what's actually what's going on there. Because I think there was a... The general feeling was that Oh, poor old Mick McCarthy, you know, he's he's hard done by. He doesn't get to spend any money. He does great. And now they've actually got to see one of his teams play. Um, you know, maybe maybe the um, rabbits out the hat a little bit on that. The following day, Adam Webster, who's been great at centre-back, signed from Portsmouth earlier in the year. He's done his ankle ligaments and will be out for the season. Um, and one for you, Jake, even worse, we've been linked with Stephen Taylor as a replacement there so I'd be interested to get your thoughts on on that um interesting um article went up on ESPN a whole feature on Ipswich um called 72 hours um before kickoff I'd recommend anyone uh interested in Ipswich or after listening to this goes and have a look at that so little eye into the inner workings and certainly 
a few alarming things said by Mick and said by the chief exec. Um, a weird gesture made by Evans, the owner, who, who's offered to pay the travel of all the people who went to Lincoln. Um, all the away fans went to Lincoln on the last day of the season against Forest. Um, kind of just bizarre, um, but it was timed at the same point as they announced Webster was injured. And then we go to Huddersfield on Saturday. Huddersfield, who are obviously having a great season, play this lovely, super fast football with David Wagner. And sounds like I wasn't there. Sounds like we were very well beaten 2-0. Um, and I think it's reached kind of the lowest point now. I think um, the pressure has mounted sort of big style on Mick now. And I think I would say it's got to the most sort of chaotic point. Um, national news, middle of the transfer window, everything kind of up in the air. And it's not a fun time to be an Ipswich fan. On Stephen Taylor, you mentioned him there, you've been linked with him. I don't think that would be the worst signing. Uh, when he played for us at the back end of last year, he definitely lost a lot of his mobility. He struggled in the Premier League against the better teams. But I think in the Championship, where maybe the, there's fewer mobile, uh, skillful players, he, he'd be OK. I, I've seen worse defenders in the Championship this season, for sure. But I'm not really sure what went on in the MLS. It didn't seem to go well for him. So no. I don't think it would be the worst signing, but it wouldn't be one to get too excited about either. But uh, just back on Mick McCarthy quickly. For me, for me as an outsider looking in, it sort of reminds me a lot of what it uh, was like at Newcastle with Pardew, where the fans knew his time had gone, but then he kept staying in the job. But it seemed like he would never leave. Is, is that sort of how you're feeling at, at the moment? That you think that whatever hap- whatever he does, whatever results come his way, he's just not going to get sacked? Um, well, he came out with some quotes that lead me to think that he's got an agreement with Marcus Evans that they're going to go to the end of the season and then they're going to talk then. Which, if it's the case, if Marcus Evans just comes out and says, look, mix here to the end of the season and we're going to talk then, then that just knocks it all on the head. But as usual, Evans hides away and says literally nothing. And if he doesn't think Mick's going to be good enough to go to the end of the season, then he really does need to fire him. As we've said before on the on the pod, we think there's an issue with actually paying him off. You know, that they want the contract to be much closer. He's got 18 months to go. Um, they want the contract to be much closer to the end in terms of a, a payoff. Um, I think, as I was saying, um, I think the difference between the Newcastle issue and the Ipswich issue is that with, with Newcastle, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone blamed the owner, didn't they? Whereas the media are kind of all behind Mick and it's a bit more of a both of them kind of enabling each other type thing. It's a weird, it's a weird old situation. I'll say no more, Jake. You go ahead. Yeah, we'll move on to Preston now then in that case. Uh, James, a good a good week for Preston, I think. Uh, came back from 2-0 down to get a point at Villa Park. They've only lost uh, seven times all season. It's, they're not the easiest team to play against. They're very good at getting draws. So I think that was a positive result, uh, all things considered. Are you pretty happy with the point? And, and what else has been happening at Preston this week? Yeah, delighted with the point, especially, as you said, coming from 2-0 down. Um, took us a while to get into the game, which sort of hasn't really been the case for us this season. We've uh, come out nice and sort of early out the gates against most teams and kind of caught a few of the big teams off guard, especially Brighton last week. So it was almost not a welcome change of pace, but it was good to see how they reacted under sort of different circumstances. 
Villa got sort of the goal in the first half, which kind of set the tone. Um, we're really unlucky with the second. It was a fantastic tackle by McGeady in the box to win the ball. And I don't know what the referee or the linesman saw, but ended up giving a penalty, which they scored. But yeah, into the second half, Jordan Hugill just grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. He's had a bit of criticism um, over the last few weeks, which I'm not sure where it's come from. There was rumours of Ipswich tabling a, an offer of about one, one and a half million pounds for him. And that kind of led some fans to believe that we should sell him because we're never going to get offered that again for him. Um, but to be fair to the lad, he's not the most skillful, but what he lacks in skill, he makes up for time and time again in tenacity and He's probably the player, apart from Ben Pearson, who you can look at them each game, you know exactly what you're going to get from them. And he just puts everything that he has into the game. He comes off, obviously, end of the game, like completely shattered, which is when you're not the most skillful, what you want from your centre forward, especially. Um, so he was fantastic yesterday. Um, so quite a positive result for us, especially being 2-0 down. Um, but as you said, going into the, the week, it's been quite a weird week for us. The Robbie Keane link is sort of has been lingering all week. People not knowing what's happening. Um, he appeared on Saturday Day and was sort of not dropping too many hints, which is understandable for him, keeping his options open. Um, but it'd be sort of brilliant to see to see him come in. We've been crying out for sort of an out and out goal scorer for the last couple of years, really. And it's sort of that last missing piece of the jigsaw. As good as Hugill is, he's not going to be that that player who gets you sort of 20 goals a season and can really make a difference, especially in the championship, especially where we are in the league table at the moment. I think there's about three or four teams all separated by a point. We're at the bottom of that because we've got the worst goal difference, even though it's positive. Um, so we're just missing that little bit to kick us on and really sort of take us into a... A, um, a playoff challenging team so it'll be interesting to see what comes of that yeah I've got a question for you now on the players that you did bring in you brought in a couple of players from Dundalk I'm just wondering if they played a lot and if they have sort of what are your thoughts are on them because obviously they've done well in the Champions League played quite a lot in Europa League as well so they've got that experience have they settled in well yeah so we we signed Daryl Horgan and Andy Boyle Andy Boyle hasn't been in the squad or featured yet um, so it may take him a bit of time to to really come in um, he looks almost to be an ideal replacement when he does come in for Bailey Wright who was just sold to Bristol City a couple of weeks ago so we'll see how that one goes can't really comment on him yet um, but especially coming off as you say playing in the Europa League it may take him a bit of time to get fitness back um, and then sort of slowly settle into the squad Daryl Horgan on the other hand though has been absolutely fantastic when he came on yesterday he was absolutely brilliant he came on for, I think it was the last 10 minutes against Arsenal in the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago and was brilliant. And then he was probably our man of the match against Brighton last week as well. And he's sort of what we've been really missing, apart from the out-and-out goal scorer, as I mentioned, we've lacked that sort of real creativity and pace on the wing. And um, We had Chris Humphrey last season, who we've just released, and I think he's gone to Motherwell, I believe it is, could be wrong. Um he always had the pace, but never really had that end product. And Daryl Horgan seems to have both. He's sort of almost the perfect mix of Aidan McGeady, who we've got on loan at the moment. And as I said, Chris Humphrey, combining that pace and trickery. So he's been absolutely fantastic for us so far, yeah. Moving on to Newcastle now, we we had a, a good week, uh, two wins, uh, and we're starting to really build the momentum up again after what was a sort of a, a dodgy period without John Joe Shelby, but he's back now. He came back 
on Wednesday night for the FA Cup replay against Birmingham. We put out quite a weak team, really. We had uh, three debutants, uh, one from the academy, uh, a couple who we brought in in the summer, um, one from Scottish football and one from non-league football. Both got a chance. Uh, the one from non-league football was quite interesting. I, I, I'm not sure if he'll have much of a career at Newcastle, but he, he's sort of he's, he's known as a YouTube footballer. If you if you believe it, he's done sort of stunt. He's uh, taught like tricks to Neymar and Cristiano Ronaldo for adverts and things. So it's weird that he's now playing for Newcastle. I'm not sure how I feel about that purely because he doesn't have that much experience. He's 20 years old, but he started against Birmingham and he, he looked okay, worked hard, didn't really show too much. Uh, tried a Rabona when he was in his own half, which was quite weird. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> if he's if he's going to really f- fit into Benitez's style, but it's an exciting one just to sort of see somebody like that and see what they can do, see if it's easy to make that step up. Obviously, it's not. There's a lot to learn, but yeah, that was that was a good win. We, we, uh, Shelby is back, ran, ran the show, got two assists and played the pass for, for, for the penalty as well. So that was good to see. Uh, you could, we just look so much better with him. Uh, we're struggling for goals without him. And since he's come back, we've got seven in two games now. So it just shows what a difference he does make. Um, but yeah, and then the game yesterday, Rotherham, uh, 4-0, I think it's a little bit too kind for us based on the first half. Rotherham gave us a good game. They had chances to score. One, if you've seen it, it was an incredible chance where Carl Darlow sort of loses the ball uh, on the edge of the box uh, and the Rotherham player goes in and he squares it. They've got an open goal. Carl Dahl is about te- eight feet away from away from the ball. Somehow manages to get back and save, save it. I'm not sure how he did it. It was, it was quite a weird bit of football. They should have really taken the lead then. But after that, we, we sort of just got the first goal before half time, came at a crucial time. Uh, Daryl Murphy got his third in, third in uh, three games now. He's, he's come in and he's done really well. And it highlights why we signed him. Five, I don't know exactly what the fee is. Ben might know a bit better than me, but five million, I think I've seen reported quite a lot. And it, that seems a big price for a 33-year-old. But he's come in, he's, he's done exactly what we need to do. He's won us six points now, basically, if you think of it, of what his goals are worth. Uh, he, he works hard. He, he, the, um, the work rate he has is incredible, actually, for somebody of his age. I thought he'd be a little bit lumbering and not that mobile, but he, he is quite mobile. He, he does a lot of running, works hard. It, it is a good finisher from what I've seen. So he might not play the biggest part for the rest of the season when Gale comes back, but he's playing his part now, and, and that's crucial. I, I really like Murphy. I think it's a good sign. And whether he has too much of a future pass this season is, is up for debate but he's done well after coming in so you can only give him credit for that and it shows why he was signed and it's good to see us bringing those type of players in uh, on the transfer front we still not made a sign-in but there's a lot of rumors about Andres Townsend coming back whether on loan or permanent it seems to be the sticking point at the moment hasn't settled in well at Palace um, I'm not sure how he'll be greeted when he comes back because I think a lot of Newcastle fans expected him to stay. He had a good relationship with Benitez and, and Palace. Although it's, of course, an up, upward step this season, it was seen as, if for the long term, maybe it was a, a little bit of a, a sideways step or maybe even a, da- a down step. If you think where Newcastle could go under Benitez, it was a weird one, especially going to play under Pardew. That's, that's obviously always a sour one for Newcastle fans. But it seems like he, he's keen to come back. I, I think it 
makes sense for bo- uh, both of us. Uh, he needs to get regular first team football again and, and play somewhere where he, he's liked. We need a, another winger. It, we know him, Benitez knows him, so he fits the system. It'll be interesting to see if it does happen, see what figures are involved and see how he does, but I, I wouldn't be against it. Um, he has a little bit to prove, of course. He, he left He left us when we got relegated. He, he needs to prove himself, but if he did come back, I think it would be a good sign and, and give us that momentum to go on and win the league this season. Just moving on to the topics for today, just want to ask each of you about your club's player of the year so far. We're over halfway through the season uh, and I'd like to uh, ask you on those thoughts and also have any players noticeably underperformed of what you expected from them at the start of the season. So a start of Ipswich and you, Ben, for this one. Um, we, yeah, we've discussed this a bit on the actual on the Blue Monday podcast. Um it's between uh, Bartosz Bielkowski, the goalkeeper, and Tom Lawrence, who we've got on loan from Leicester for Player of the Year. Um, Bart, the goalie, was the Supporters Player of the Year um, last year. Obviously, he gets a lot of practice playing in goal for Ipswich, but um, he's a very good player and very consistent. Um, with Lawrence, I would have said that a loan player wouldn't get it. Obviously, we had Ryan Fraser last year, who's doing great for Bournemouth now in the Premier League. But Lawrence, just in the past month, um, has just had a series. He scored a ridiculous goal against QPR. Then he scored two in the Cup against Lincoln. Then he scored two against Blackburn and another one from outside of the box. Um, If it's supporters voting, they don't tend to vote the same player two years running. They tend to, um, you know, have these strange criteria for their player of the year. So, I would go for Tom Lawrence just on the basis, but got it last year. Um, on uh, Noticeably underperformed. At the moment, Christoph Berra, who's been very, you know, very good for us since he, since he signed. He's an old Mick McCarthy guy from Wolves. When we got in the playoffs two seasons back, um, he, was, he was amazing, but... There's lots of rumours that he wants to go back off to Hearts and finish his career up there. And he's made a series of um, mistakes that have led to goals, you know, two or three very recently. Um, that's, only a, that's only a very recent thing. And there's the normal, everybody, unfortunately, is against Jonathan Douglas, the um, centre midfielder we got in from Brentford. Um, I feel he's a bit of a scapegoat for Mick, to be honest. Um and I know I've bashed him on here before, Jake, but I think Cole Skews is the first name down on the team sheet. He's mixed centre midfield guy. I don't think he's got any pace. I don't think his passing's that good. Um, he's, a, he's a defensive central midfielder, so he doesn't contribute assists or goals. Um, and often on counter-attacks, he has to commit a foul because he's too slow to get back. Um, he's the best we've got there, but I believe for not a lot of money, we could get somebody better. So take your pick. <laughs> on Tom Lawrence, I've got a question for you on him because I've heard a lot about him in the last couple of years. He's had loan spells at Cardiff and Blackburn as well. Maybe not influenced the game as much at those clubs as he has at Ipswich. He's 23 now, which seems it seems quite old for a loan eve to, to me. Do you think he has a future maybe in the Premier League? Do you think he has that ability? Um, it's hard to say in the Premier League because I agree with you. You'd think if that was going to happen, it would be kind of already in the works. But I suppose, um, I mean, I don't know how old Harry Kane and Andrus Townsend, they both went round 
the championship, um, you know, before they got their run at the Premier League. Lawrence is a really good player. Um, he's got great acceleration with the ball. He's he's not so much a tight dribbler. He's a knock it ahead of you and chase it and just no one can catch him. And he's obviously been developing this fantastic shot. Um, I don't know who he would... I think uh, an upwardly mobile championship side with parachute payments. I mean, Mick comes out and says, oh, you know, we've got no chance of signing him. He's he's too expensive. But I think you might be right. He might be another sort of Rob Earnshaw type guy who's top end Premier League, bottom end, uh, sorry, top end um, championship, bottom end Premier League. But we'd certainly like to keep him for the season because he's doing a very fine job at the moment. And moving on to Preston now, you James, who would be your player of the player of the year for Preston, and has anybody underperformed? Yeah, so player of the year. I was having to think about this uh, earlier today. Obviously, the n- two names that stand out really are Jordan Hugill, who has really sort of stepped up this season. There are a few question marks about him in the summer, especially with Joe Garner going off to Rangers. Whether Hugill could sort of carry that burden as the the guy that we go to for the goals having said that Garner didn't really produce in the championship last year so Hugill's come in from not really playing regularly for us sort of the most regular football he's had in the last couple of years was the loan he had at Hartlepool a couple of seasons back where he kept them in league two sort of single-handedly um and he's come in this season and fair play to the lad he's been absolutely fantastic he uh he's almost like an old school English centre forward not afraid to put himself about He's quick with the ball at his feet, good in the air. And what, yeah, as I said earlier, what he lacks in skill, he just more than makes up for in in hard work, which is what you want from a striker, really. Um, Especially in the championship where your sort of more skillful players are are a bit harder to come by. Um, And with it being quite a physical league as well, don't always tend to sort of settle in the championship. So Jordan Hugill would be one definitely that I'd sort of throw in the mix. The other one would be Ben Pearson. even at times he has a walking yellow card. He's coming back next weekend against Ipswich um, off a two-game suspension for uh, accumulating 10 yellow cards already. But he's that kind of physical player that you need in the centre of midfield. He's so influential to the way we play, um, similar to how Shelby is at Newcastle when he's out the side, albeit we've had two really good results in the last two weeks against Brighton um, and Aston Villa yesterday. He just really makes us tick. He sets the tone straight from the off. He's sort of the first into tackles and, and he's that kind of player that the fans can really get behind. Um, he seems to have it all, really. He's, he's come from United. He's picked up crucial goals for us. He's great on the ball, not afraid to put himself about in the same way that Hugill does. And them two, really, this season have become real fan favourites. Um, as for players that have disappointed, the obvious one would be Jermaine Beckford. He um, has just come back into the squad now after his second suspension in as many games for uh, basically fighting. Yeah, he had that now infamous (laughs) incident where him and Owen Doyle, who hasn't really featured since, actually got in a fight uh, similar to Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer all those years ago. Um, And then on his first game back, he came on as a sub and got sent off after I think it was two minutes for kicking out an opposition player, which if you're just coming back from a... uh, a suspension for fighting your own teammates. That's the last thing you want to be doing is uh, sort of kicking out opposition players. So he's really sort of not helped his reputation with the fans this season. He's probably looking at it, our highest earner. And 
I think he's only scored one or two goals for us this season when he actually has played. So I think come the end of the season, we should really be looking to move him on. Obviously, he did great for us getting us promoted back into the championship. But obviously, if he's getting sent off and not really contributing, you can't really sort of held what he's done in the past for us when we're sort of quite a young side now looking to move forward. Um, so, yeah, they'd be sort of my my candidates for sort of best player and, and worst player this season for us. Jake, can I just come in a sec and ask James about Hugel? Um, is there literally any chance of Ipswich doing a, doing a deal for him? Um, uh, personally, I can't see why anyone would want to leave Preston to go to Ipswich. That's where it's got got to now but um is there any chance and what what figure would it take to get him away yeah well if you'd have asked me that question a sort of two weeks ago when uh sort of the initial rumor came out i would have been a bit more sort of on the fence but sort of seeing how crucial he's been for us um at times it does take him you know sort of five or six shots to actually find the back of the net but sort of as i said like that tenacity and never say die attitude from him. It's that kind of thing that you can't really put a price on. Um, I think the, the rumored fee at the time was about one, one and a half million. Um, but after his sort of goals yesterday and the way he's played this season, um, whether it's realistic or not, I'd probably say double that would be sort of, if we were to sell, which I wouldn't want to, um, that would sort of maybe make me reconsider. Um, but especially he's sort of the only striker that we've got who seems to be finding the back of the net. It'd be sort of quite hard for us to let him go. Um, the only way I could see him going is sort of if this Robbie Keane rumour materialises. Um, otherwise, we'd be sort of leaving ourselves short when we're, we're sort of having quite a good season at the moment. Cool, great stuff. The one thing I would say about that for, is that Bailey Wright went to Bristol City and that's very much a sideways, if not downwards, moved in the same way that maybe you'd consider Hugo going to Ipswich would be. So it's not completely out of the question. And the way yeah. James, the way, sorry to cut you off, the way James describes um, Hugo is like the complete prototype Mick McCarthy player as well. So I can yeah. see why the, I can see why the interest is, is, is there. Yeah. Well, a quick one on the Bailey Wright thing. He, um, he came out when he signed for Bristol saying that, he was when we played down there a couple of months ago. He was taken away with the atmosphere and the way that the club's heading. But at the moment, sort of on paper, um, I'd sort of say that Preston with that team sort of on the up, whereas Bristol just can't buy a win at the moment and seem to be on their way down. So it's a bit of a strange one for him. Um, he was adamant that it wasn't his agent in his ear, but it's sort of hard not to not to look past that. Really, he's sort of I think doubled his salary down there, so. As with these players going off to the Chinese league, if you are getting sort of your salary doubled, it's hard to sort of say no to that. But he was he was well liked up at Preston, so it's a shame that he uh, sort of ended his time with us on such a sour note. Just back on to the, to the player of the year stuff now. I'll give you a quick rundown of Newcastle. Uh, there's only one candidate for player of the year, but I'll, I'll give a couple of notable mentions as well. Uh, John Joe Shelby's obviously been very good. He's upped his game since last year, got a lot fitter, a lot more mobile, and you can see the impact that Benitez has had on him. Some players maybe would have taken a move down to the championship in the wrong way and been lazy with it, but he, he's been the opposite. And considering his the, the reputation he has as a, as a person, that's been really good to see. He still gets in a, a few 
bit of controversy as we've seen the season with, with the red card, which was rescinded, which maybe shouldn't have been. And then the ban as well. It's, it's not great. He needs to work on that. But he, he's been very good on the pitch. And like, and it's been impressive to see how he's developed. At the age of 24, I think he could still go and play for England and maybe even at the at the World Cup in, in next year. So it, it, he's really making the steps and it's good to see. Uh, Kieran Clark is another that's been really good. I thought he was coming in as a fourth-choice centre-back, but he, he's become probably our first choice. He's been excellent. He, he's really developed under Benitez. When he, when he first played the first couple of games, he was a bit rash. He gave away a penalty against Reading. He always looked like he had a mistake in him, but he doesn't look like that anymore. And from the player that I saw at Villa, he's so much better than that, and, it, and it's good to see. It just shows that the difference that maybe a transfer can have on a player that has been at club for a long time or uh, being under a... a renowned you know world-class manager that that effect that it can have uh, that's been really good to see but but the player of the has to be like gail i mean 20 goals in january that's r- ridiculous i don't think anyone uh, has done that before in the championship to get to 20 goals this quickly um he, he's out injured for a few games now but i think he, he's got everything to go on and get 30 goals and it wouldn't surprise me how big that figure that figure could get if him and Shelby are in the same team, it, it could get to quite a high number. So that's been really good to see. And I've been surprised at how good he actually is. I mean, I saw him at a, quite a lot of Palace, of course, but he didn't get that many chances. He scored a few when he was on the pitch, but like, it's, it, I always thought there was something holding him back. But now I've seen him, he, he has the attitude, he applies himself, he, he's a great finisher, he has a lot more to his game as well. So I'm surprised that Palace didn't play him more often. And I, I think that next season, if we do go up, I think he'll be absolutely fine in the Premier League. So I'm no doubts about that. So he, that's been really good. Disappointing, I guess the main one will be Matt Sells, our, our, the goalie we brought in from Ghent in the summer. He was supposed to be a Belgium third-choice goalie behind Mignolet and Courtois, but I've seen nothing to say that he's anywhere near those two in ability. He struggles physically. It's sort of similar to Carrius at Liverpool, where maybe he struggled to adapt physically and that's affected his form. And now now he's got such low confidence that he can't get back to, to maybe what he's doing in Belgium. And he's been overtaken by, uh, by Caldalo. Uh, and we got Rob Elliott as well. Tim Krull might be coming back from loan from Ajax. So I just don't really see a future for him at the club. I, I think he should be moved on. But yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the second topic now quickly. I just want to ask you about the January transfer window uh, on the back of Brentford. So I, somebody at Brentford was talking yesterday. I'm not, I think it might have been the chief exec about Scott Hogan and how he's become unsettled because all, the, all these tra- uh, calls have been made to him before games saying that a move's about to happen and, and that means he can't be selected for the games. And he blamed the January transfer window saying that that should be maybe taken away so that you know what players you have for the season. just want to know your thoughts on that. And do you think it is a maybe a bigger hindrance and it is a help especially in a time where you know these stupid figures that are required to get players so uh, if you don't want to let a player go you're just going to ask stupid amounts and then the player becomes unsettled we've seen it with Costa at Chelsea as well so would would you make any changes to how transfers operate uh, especially the one in, in mid-season um, well I think given you know you'll know about the Murphy transfer away from uh, Ipswich to Newcastle. I think the one earlier in the season is actually even more annoying because um, on August the whatever late late August we lose Murphy and then had no time to sign anyone and then the knock on effect. Um, 
I really don't know how they need to how they need to operate it because I think for certain clubs, for, for Brentford, are you telling me they're going to complain if they sell Scott Hogan for twelve million or whatever when he could have a rubbish second half of the season? You know, it does put pressure on the buying clubs as well. Um, I really don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I'll <laughs> hand that one over to James. I think. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, I've always sort of been a fan of it from the sense that if you have got sort of a few injuries and that kind of thing, it's, it's good to get those bodies in, especially sort of coming into the second half of the season where you have more cup games and, and things like that. It sort of does help in that regard. But as you said, sort of prime example, us losing Bailey Wright. Uh, his head was turned when he was quite settled with us by this sort of offer that Bristol City put in offering him sort of a high amount of money um so in that sense it is sort of sort of a bad thing one way that a few of us were discussing yesterday at the uh, at the game to not fix it but may make it better is in January you can only sort of make loan signings which would be sort of good obviously if you have got many injuries sort of seeing you over whether they're short-term or long-term ones till the end of the season um, dependent on on sort of the club's needs, but sort of getting rid of permanent transfers in January and saving those for the summer. Um, so that's one way that sort of may may make it a bit a bit better for clubs, especially when sort of like Chelsea, they don't want to go out and sell Diego Costa. Um, but obviously, it'd, it'd be hard to sort of regulate that sort of outside of England. You'd have to get sort of each governing body to to sort of come on board with it. Um, but it's definitely something that could be looked at across sort of the English leagues. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad shout, making it just a lone window. I, that was sort of my views on it going into this topic. I thought that uh, players that weren't playing at their clubs in the Premier League or in, or in the Championship could be made available for loan and then clubs can, can take them like that. And that way, the the more important players at your club don't have the option to move like that. That's not that, that's not available to them, and they're fully focused on what they are doing. And you don't get these unsettled players. Uh, even even if a player wants to leave, uh, I mean, we've had it with Tom Kearney. We, we were quite interested in him, but then Fulham quoted us twenty million pounds for him. Now, if Newcastle are going to break their transfer record record and spend twenty million pounds, I want that player to be the best player in our team. And Tom Kearney would not be the best player in our team. So it's, it's just stupid prices. I think I can understand why a team like Fulham would want that much for, for their captain and their best player. It's perfect sense. They've got playoff hopes and they, they wouldn't want to give him away. And it'd have to be a great off to do that. But it's just ridiculous. Like I, I, you, you can't do deals like this. And I, I think the summer transfer window is much better to, to get your deals done. So I would maybe make that change. But it's a difficult one to come up with the best alternative because this system's been in for quite a while now and if you're going to change it, it has to make it better and there'll be clubs that say that making it loans would make it better there'll be others that say keep it open the whole time there'll be others saying just have it in the summer so it, different clubs have different prerogatives with transfers so it, it will be difficult to make a system that fits all but it, it's it's definitely one worthy of debate. I think I think it's an important part of, of football, the transfer window, especially as money increasingly becomes important. So it's definitely one that that maybe should be looked at. But changes are probably not going to come anytime soon. But we'll just move on to player watch now. So if you want to talk about which player impressed and disappointed in your most recent fixture, or Ben, you could talk about Tuesday <laughs> if you want to, but I don't think you will want to. So, so yeah, just just give us give us a player that is impressed and disappointed over this week for Ipswich. Um, 
Well, um, Jordan Spence came straight into the first team for um, Josh Emmanuel at right wing back. We've never seen him before. He looked very mobile and made one excellent run. Um, so it's nice to see a, a new player in and it's nice to see him fit in, in the 3-5-2 that Mix managed to kind of get to after, after so long. Um, so I'll go for Jordan Spence purely on the basis we've played two games, scored no goals, lost to Lincoln in the Cup on TV. Um, and there was obviously five changes there. Um, who disappointed? Uh, crikey. I mean, a lot of them need to hang their head in shame after um, Tuesday night. It would be difficult to it would be difficult to pick out one. So am I allowed to say Mick McCarthy? We'll just blame Mick, shall we? You may as well keep going down that road. So yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll say Mick. No, it's a, it was it was just a real a real you know embarrassment on on Tuesday. Like I say, in front of the TV cameras, and then Terry Butcher obviously summarising Ipswich great, you know England captain, UEFA Cup winning player, completely buried the team afterwards as well. So I think the the collective shame of that really, yeah, we'll we'll go for Mick. Yeah, who, who impressed and disappointed for, for Preston James this week at, at Villa? Well, obviously, sort of one name sticks out for impressing, that'd be Jordan Hugill. Um, two fantastic goals, the first one especially to to get it just on the halfway line and take on sort of four or five Aston Villa players and then put it in the top corner. Um, it was a fantastic solo effort by him. And then the header for the second was equally as good. Um, but one guy that I want to give sort of praise to, he uh, he came in in the summer on loan and Everton fans especially were sort of delighted that they'd managed to get rid of him, albeit on loan. And that's Hayden McGeady. Um, there were quite a few Preston fans that were a bit sort of cautious when he came in because he's sort of getting on a bit now. And the last few clubs he's been at, he hasn't really delivered, but he was fantastic again yesterday. He... He's so good on the ball um, and the cross, especially for, for Hugill's second, was brilliant. Um, and he's really becoming an important player for us. When he first signed, he was sort of in and out of the team. Looked like it was taking him a bit of a while to get up to the speed of the championship, which is understandable considering he's been warming the bench at Everton. But now he's found that match fitness back. He's He's been fantastic in recent weeks. Um, as for players that are disappointed, it's hard really um, sort of to pick any. Um, purely for Aston Villa's first goal, I'd, I'd say the only one that has disappointed for it, um, but that's just because he set himself such high hand standards this season, it'd be Chris Maxwell, the keeper. I thought he could have done better coming out to claim it and looked to be stranded in no man's land, really, when the ball went back across the goal for, I believe it was Adoma, to, to put it into the net. Um, the second goal shouldn't have been a penalty, I've seen it about five or six times now, and at the time it didn't look like a penalty. Um, it was a fantastic tackle from McGeady coming in sort of from behind and hooking the ball away. Um, the linesman had a clear view of it, so I'm not sure what he saw. So can't really point any fingers to that um, with it being a really good tackle. And sort of people have come out after the game and said that it shouldn't be a penalty from Preston and Aston Villa. So it says it all. Um, but the team as a whole, we started slow really grew then into the game and it's that never say die attitude that that Simon Grayson has instilled into the team which 
obviously we're not not the biggest spenders in the league so you've got to make up for that where you can and I thought we were brilliant again yesterday and we'll make it continue and hopefully next weekend against Ipswich <laughs> yeah for Newcastle uh, a good week two wins there's going to be a lot of positives to talk about maybe not too many negatives but we'll start off with the biggest one uh, the player I criticised last week as the player that underperformed is probably the one that impressed most this week which is good to see I mean he's a young player DeAndre Yedlin he, he's not had the great amount of experience he had a loan at Sunderland of course last year but he'd been in and out of the team this year and he wasn't great at Brentford I thought his positioning was poor I thought maybe he his judgment of the game wasn't great he'd go forwards when perhaps he shouldn't have done and he'd stay back when he perhaps should have went forward so this week he was excellent uh, against Rotherham maybe not the best team but it, he made a crucial challenge in, in, in the incident I talked about with Carl Darlow when, when Rotherham had an open open goal to score and he got back and made a crucial challenge. Uh, he, he was always in the right position. He got two assists as well. He's, he's such a threat with his pace when he goes forward. Uh, and it's good to see him developing, especially after a poor performance last week. So he's the one that impressed most this week. Uh, for disappointed, it's difficult. Of course, when you win 4-0, it, you can't pick too many negatives out of that. But, yeah, I, I don't think I can pick a negative. I think it would be harsh in a forward nil win to talk about any player. So we'll skip over that and, and for this week. But I'm sure there'll be lots more negatives to talk about in, in future weeks. I do like to criticise players more than I like to praise them. So we'll, we'll move on to match previews now. Um, oddly on this show, it often works out that t- two of the people that we have on play against each other. And it's worked out that way again. I don't plan it, but it's worked out that uh, Preston and Ipswich are playing against each other. So if you two want to just... just take that away and maybe just have an open discussion on that game and give your prediction. That'll be great. Okay. Um, well, obviously Ipswich are in a very kind of bad, bad moment We're we're hoping that Mick is going to stick with the three, five, two. Um, there's a slight up in the air, Bart Bielkowski, who we mentioned in the, who's your best player um, conversation earlier was, and I quote, ill on Saturday. So there's obviously rumours running around that, you know, he's the same ill as Scott Hogan and Diego Costa and Dimitri Payet, um, and that he may not be there. So um, potentially you might have um, Dean Gherkin in goal, who's able replacement. Um, if he sticks with the three at the back, um, there's not adjusted well to... Um, playing that close together, the three centre-half. So there's an issue there that they need to work on in training. And if it is three at the back, we're going to have Paul Digby in there, which um, the way you've described, Hugel, um, he might have some might have some joy there against our defence. And um, Daniel Johnson always plays well against us. Um, so if he's making those runs through. Spence may keep his place. Hopefully Emmanuel will be back. Kenlock might be back as well. Um and hopefully Mick goes for a progressive midfield with players like um, Andre Dezel, Kevin Brew, Grant Ward. If if you see it lining up, uh, Douglas and Skews in that midfield, then Preston <laughs> will overrun us in midfield. Um, that is not a good situation. And up front, hopefully it will be Lawrence off, um, probably Lawrence off Sears. So we've got good pace and potential up front. But if our midfield does not have the creative players in there, then they're going to be feeding off scraps. Um, I've just got Preston's um, home record. There is some hope here, James. Yeah, uh, yeah. Played 14, <laughs> won six, drawn three, lost five. So you've lost a lot of home games. Um, but 
we're not we're not in a good moment but i'd be interested in your thoughts yeah it's a weird one for me really even though we're playing well at the moment i feel more confident going into away games um i'm not sure why that is um considering we beat brighton at home last weekend quite convincingly i think just the style of play that we we play sort of suits counter-attacking football more so than than playing at home where you're expected sort of in the most part to take the game to the opposition which sort of our, our gates this season and the atmosphere at the stadium hasn't been the best considering sort of our position and how sort of well we're doing for us in the league um so it'll be an interesting one but as you say yeah obviously Ipswich not not in the best run of form at the moment um so would like to say that we'd get the win but as always going into home games um sort of kind of cautious um if we could take the away form into the home games which is a weird thing to be saying it's usually the other way around um i think we'd be fine um the only sort of good i say the only the good thing for us we have got probably two of our best players coming back from suspension greg cunningham uh who in my opinion is one of the top three left backs in the division he's been fantastic again this season as he was last year and then as i mentioned earlier ben pearson's back as well so no doubt he'll uh, be getting booked in the first couple of minutes, as is the way when he comes back from suspension or missing a few games. He's sort of over-eager to, to really sort of get back in and amongst it. But, you know, I wouldn't change that about him. That's sort of what makes him so popular. And similar to Diego Costa, that, that physicalness, if you took that out of his game, he wouldn't be the same player. So it'd be good to have those two back in. And sort of hopefully we can start turning some of the draws we've been having into wins and close that five point gap now that we have between us. And I think it's Sheffield Wednesday in the last playoff spot and hopefully get a couple of goals, which I believe there's three teams, us and two others on the same amount of points at the moment. Um, just our goal difference is slightly lacking. So it's sort of home games where we're playing a team who sort of aren't doing that well at the moment. Um, and we're on a bit of a run that we need to, as Newcastle are doing to teams like Rotherham, obviously there's no way we can compete with Newcastle, but, sort of need to pick up these home wins if we really sort of want to be challenging for the playoffs. And you have to understand if there's any kind of narrative in a game that involves Ipswich messing up, so i.e. you bid for a striker at the start of January, um, get your money on Jordan Hugel to score any time. That is exactly what Ipswich will do. They will bid for a striker and then he is just nailed on to score at least one. So <laughs> that's always that's, what happens with us. Yeah, so um I think if you said to most Ipswich fans, you know, it's, I mean, amazingly we won there. We won there last season. It was 1-1 at Portman Road. Um we actually won the uh, game back in August, which was the the Daryl Murphy game where he wasn't in the squad and he was off to Newcastle Grant Ward. Um scored then if we escape with a point, I think most Ipswich fans would be would be happy, but hey, Ipswich might sign a mega player in the um, in the week, or they might sack their manager. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'll hopefully from now, our James, I think. Yeah, well, hopefully from our point of view, we get the Robbie Keane thing over the line because I believe Sunderland now are sniffing around him, which sort of Sunderland and Preston, you're obviously going to go for the Premier League team. But having said that, you know, they've got Jermaine Defoe, so would he be guaranteed regular football that he would with us? So if we can get him in, that'll give uh, everyone a bit of a lift as well. So we'll see what happens during the week. And that would be another guaranteed guy who will score if it's his debut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Anyway, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, Newcastle. We got a nice trip to Oxford United in the FA Cup, where where I think we're the only team. We 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 managed to get through the next round. Not that I'm that bothered about the competition this year, with promotion being the main aim. But I think Oxford United away is a nice tie. Uh, two rather, you know, quite nice clubs. I, I think, and and I like it more this year, where there's only one division separating us. That the you know room for embarrassment is definitely lessened. So I, I wouldn't be too demoralised if we did lose this one. That said, I think I think we'll probably win it. I think Raf will, will rotate the squad. Maybe a couple of those youngsters who played against Birmingham will get another chance. Um, people that have been on the bench as well might get a chance. Ashraf Lazar being one. He came from Palermo. He's not played a lot. He might get a chance. The, the goalie I talk about is probably going to play, which is... He, if there's anything that's going to about that's going to happen in this game, he is going to make a mistake that puts us out of the FA Cup. But he will probably play. Uh, I'm not sure about Dwight Gale. I don't think he'll he'll be back for this one. Even if he is, I don't think he'll play. I think Murphy will probably play again, which is good. He's been he's in good form. So I think we'll probably probably win this one. We'll probably get through to the fifth round. Hopefully, get a big draw against a, a top six Premier League club. So we get that day out. Uh, see Rafa against one of the best managers in the Premier League, and then you know go out of the FA Cup and get it out of the way. Uh, that's what I'd like to happen. I'd like that. I'd like that big day. Feel like a Premier League club again, and then get out. But yeah, I think we'll beat Oxford. Don't know how comfortable it will be. There's a little bit of a. a another story in this one John Joe Shelby he played there last year and got knocked out with Swansea I think we'll all remember that game as being the one where he just stopped trying at about 90 minutes and just stood there just huffing out his arse he just didn't know what was going on he looked an absolute shell of a footballer uh, and he's been reminded of that I've seen a lot of Oxford t- fans talking about that and saying uh, even though it, oh they're talking about Shelby's their best player he was off when he came here yeah he, he was but he was not in a good plays he, he's a lot better now so it'd be good to see him play and maybe get in a couple of assists and put that right because he was absolutely awful there last year so yeah I think we'll win this one maybe not that comfortable uh, we'll play a few young players but maybe a t- two, two or three nil win would, would be nice but yeah with that we're out of time I just want to thank you both for coming on today and if you'd like to tell people where they can reach you now would be a good time okay so um, I am on the Twitter at Benjamin Bloom uh, more importantly the podcast is the Blue Monday podcast drops every uh, Monday, as the title would suggest, at Blue Monday ITFC. Um, if there's any Preston fans um, listening to what James has been saying, then do have a listen to our podcast. Very balanced. and We'll be doing a preview and a uh, review of the uh, Preston game um, coming up next week. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers. I also write for the newly named Deepdale Digest, which is deepdaledigest.wordpress.com. And as Ben said, any Preston fans are listening, make sure you check out their podcast. And if you tweet me the link when it's out, Ben, I'll uh, definitely retweet that onto my timeline for Preston fans to see. And you can get my Twitter account at Jake Jackman with two N's. I write for EPL Index and the Boot Room. Check both of them out. A lot of good stuff with the transfer window and things going on over there. So check them out. But yeah, with that, we're out of time. So just want to thank Ben and James for joining us again. And thank you all for joining us on this week's episode. And we hope you keep listening. 